Good people of Los Angeles and pixelated rectangles everywhere. Tonight on the FCFC pod, we've got the slip in the building, in his building. Josh Slim and I are in our buildings. We are going to get into all of it. We're going to get into, I know we're going to get into Slip's Chelsea Blues bag. I know we're going to get into Lucky's. I know we're going to get into uh, Slip's internet personality in general. I know we're probably going to end up talking about quarantine because guess what, guys? It keeps going and it keeps going and we're still in quarantine. Slim, do you want to hit them with the digital warning? Ladies and gentlemen, we are all Ooh. in our respective homes. Um, we are bored and lonely and you probably won't hear as many sounds in the background, but I'm still going to cuss my ass off and I probably wasn't supposed to cuss before I gave you the warning, but if you don't understand what the hell is going on around here, then catch the fuck up. And with that, I think we're ready to roll. I'm going to clap one more time just so we got it. Slip, what's your, first, what's your first football memory? First football memory, uh, 1998 World Cup, five years old. Watching it, having watch parties uh, at my family's house. Technically, my first that I don't remember because I was one would be my parents taking me to the 94 World Cup. But, you know, I don't remember that because I was a year old. So I can claim that, but I w it wouldn't yeah. be really. That's their, that's their first football memory of you. But it's not, yeah, of your first football memory. I hear Fun you. fact, they, they met in the 86 World Cup. Whoa. Oh, wait, I think you've, I think you've told me this before. Remind me of the, of the stakes. It was uh, in Guadalajara. I believe Argentina was having a game. I'm not too sure if I you know, remember the whole story because I hate pressing. I used to hate pressing them on it, but that's where they met. And, you know, six years later, seven years later, I come out. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> and your parents, isn't one of them's Argentine and one's Mexican, right? Yeah, one of them's from Buenos Aires, Argentina. The other one's from Guadalajara, Jalisco. So. Interesting blend. You know, it's a pain in the ass when the World Cup comes around. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've always, I've always felt you've uh, you've gravitated more towards the L tree tree side of things. I don't think I've ever seen you rock like an Argentina kit. But are your loyalties pretty divided on that front? Like, if Mexico and Argentina are playing, do you have a, a dog in the fight? More so, I feel like it'd be easy for me to jump on Argentina. You know, I, it'd be a cop-out. I'm like, oh, well, of course you're going to jump on them. I feel like the more fighting spirit, the more underdog spirit, the more that, you know, the stuff that I like, even as a soccer player, is in association with Mexico. I can't tell you that, you know, growing up, I watched Boca Junior games or whatever because you didn't have access to them. You had access to one thing and one thing only for the most part, and that was Liga and Mekis. So I'd be lying to myself if I'd say, you know, yeah. 
and Slip tried throwing on an Argentina kit one time, and then you know they were like, "You're you're not European looking enough, man. Get that shit." Yeah, off. yeah just <laughs> six two, really tall, ten dude, just didn't look too well on that kit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I th- I don't think you could lose either way. I mean, like for me again, seeing the two fan bases going to games of both those teams, like they're probably top three between them the top three you know fan bases in in the world that follow the sport and and cultures that follow the sport so you know I think you're blessed on both sides so that's pretty dope that you get you get both but um yeah I kind of like jumped right into it first of all like thank you for being here with us um I know like off the jump it's important to mention the new the new pod that you've got going on and uh you know, I want to get into that in a second, but uh, in terms of, you know, if you have you have this Liga MX background, like, did you have an affinity? I-, I think I know where this is going, you know, in terms of the team. I'm sure a lot of the listeners know the team, but, like, just describe your relationship with the team from Guadalajara and the team that uh, so many people in Mexico adore and what your specific feelings are towards that squad. That, um, with Chivas Guadalajara, it's, you know, I was born in Guadalajara. I was born into it. We grew up into all that stuff. That's, you know, it's, a, it's in my blood. It's my heart. You know, it's everything for me. It, it was my introduction to soccer um, or to football. Um, it, it's, it's the family tradition. Everybody, at least, you know, in the immediate side of my mom and dad's family that radicates in Mexico, is, it's all Guadalajara. There was never anything else. So growing up, you know, I've been to a few Liga Mekis finals. I've seen them win it. I've seen them lose it. It's, it's been a hell of a time with that team. And that's, that's everything for me, you know, man. Uh, was it three years ago when they last won the, the Liga Mekis? Uh, I was able to witness one of the games. And, you know, when we won it, I broke down in the stadium just crying, 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 wanting to see my dad. That's how deep it goes in for me, man. So has that been – has that been like an interesting, I mean, I, I feel like not everyone, you know, even for me, for like my second club Arsenal, like I, there's no way, I, you know, my connection doesn't run through blood. It doesn't have that level of dedication. Um, and, you know, you have, you have your affinity with Chelsea and stuff, but like, how has it been to throw in both LAFC and Chelsea into this pre-existing, like very, you know, involved relationship that you have with, with Guadalajara and how can you balance the affinity such a strong affinity for for three clubs kind of coming from like three different parts of your heart see that's it's interesting question um there's a there's a connection all back going to that all goes back to my dad back in 2005 2006 uh, he went to England he did a trip uh, all over Europe and he brought over I guess he had forgotten to get me something from over there. So I, I'm thinking what he did was he went to downtown LA and got a bootleg kit, but he got me a bootleg Chelsea kit. Uh. And at the time, you know, we didn't really see much PL out here because I guess you can only watch it on, um, you know, Fox Sports, soccer, or, or so on and so forth. But we still caught a glimpse of it. So I saw the thing, and, you know, I looked it up on Google back with, you know, my AOL connection. And I'm like, wow, this is really cool. And I started learning about it. Granted, I was only 12, 13 years old back then. And that's how I grew with Chelsea. So you start growing and you start appreciating that. However, my dad was huge on soccer too. So he would go to Galaxy games. And that's where an LAFC comes in. 
I've always kind of been on the contrary of my dad in a few things. And that was like in my rebellious teenage phase where it was like, oh, well, you're going to that? Well, no, I'm not going to go to that. Uh, And I remember being against the whole penalty shootout as a kid. I'm like, no, this is dumb. Like, this is like hockey. Yeah. Up until later when, you know, Chivas USA comes around and then goes away. uh, And we're like, well, we need something to watch out here. And LAFC comes right at the, like, as I'm, want to say finishing puberty (laughs) football wise football wise as as, uh right as you know my conscience is is formed everything is ready to go i'm aware of the legends of the game you know i'm I'm an adult now and lafc comes around we get together with that and it's like well you know now it's these three teams have a special part in my life chivas and guadalajara obviously because of my father and lafc primarily for resenting my father but also connecting with all the people in los angeles so you had at least developed like a healthy, you could say, interest in wanting to be interested in MLS before LAFC came along. And I would imagine that like obviously the Chivas connection uh, made Chivas USA something that like you were, it was easy for you to also get behind those guys when they were around. Yeah, see the, um, back when they first started as a team, they would pull us in a lot with that marketing. You, know, you obviously want to pander to where the team is originally from. Yeah. I wasn't in it too much, but what happened back in 2006 was Chivas Guadalajara was playing a friendly against Barcelona at the Coliseum. And they bookended that with an MLS match with Chivas USA versus the New England Revolution. Uh-huh. My dad had to go work, so he just drops me off and he's like, hey, I heard one of the one of the supporter groups or whatever is gonna go watch it, so I'm just gonna drop you off here with them. <laughs> and that's where I meet with Chivo Mayor and Ray and that's when we first met back in 2006. I was a young 13-year-old kid, had much more hair than, you know, back then. And that's where, you know, my venture into the MLS started. My actual legit interest in venture into the MLS started. Gotcha. And I want to ask, man, like you were talking about even just like the last time Guadalajara won, you know, the championship down there. And even the similar marketing where how they did it in Chivas USA. Did it ever get to a stage where you felt that kind of same love or affinity for it because of the colors are the same, the crest is similar? Like, did you feel like I could get, I could jump on Chivas USA because of my love for Guadalajara is so great. And this is kind of like an outpost or an extension of that. There was definitely a moment um, where it was between that, but also just having a, a love for the team on its own, for what it was becoming for American soccer. Mm. Uh, back then, 2006-07, Bob Bradley was in charge of Chivas USA, and they were churning out American prospects. They had Sasha Kleshtin, they had Brad Kusan, they had Jonathan Bornstein, Ante Razov was at the top. I was falling in love with those guys and kind of like building its own identity. Of course, there was always that, well, it's Chivas USA, you're obviously going to like it because you're Chivas Guadalajara. But I was actually liking it as its own, you know, as its own entity. Yeah. Where does that come then, from? Where, where does your, your kind of um... – your, your kind of love for U.S. soccer and what's going on here come from? Is it because you played a lot as a kid? Is it because you want to see, you know, and, and you have like the affiliation with L3 and even the Argentinian national team, but did you want U.S. soccer to grow because you felt like you, there was a certain belonging there that, that um, you live here now and so you wanted to see it grow as well? That's exactly it. You know, it's in our backyard. It was football in our backyard. You know, I'm, I can't go to Guadalajara every weekend. Um, 
you can't go to the bridge, uh, you know, every other month. It was here. This was what, the closest thing we had to live football. So, of course, you want to see it succeed. And, you know, playing it, too, that was your dream, making it into a developmental academy and then you know, eventually to the MLS or making it to that, that U.S., uh, that residency program they had over in Florida. That, that was, like, our dream. Like, yeah, they're going to take us, and then we're going to play for the national team. And it's gonna be crazy, and it's all good. So that that was the dream back then, man. I remember watching uh, watching so many MLS games to try to get used to the, uh, the the more physical form of American soccer, and trying to to mix it up, you know, with the Mexican kind of form, which is a little bit slower, a little bit more technique and pace uh-huh. than it is, you know, physical challenges, sprints, and everything. So what well, was your uh, what was your playing career like? Tell give us the background on that. Okay, so I played in a lot of, you know, lower level youth clubs and, uh, you know, for-profit teams over in Norwalk. Most of Southern California, I played in a lot of of youth leagues. Um, And from there on out, in 2007, I believe it was 07, uh, Chivas USA had a competition called Sueño MLS uh, with Univision. It was like a nationally uh, televised reality program where, like, the winner would – get to uh get a professional contract with Chivas USA whoa and you know I tried that that didn't go out so well I made it to some of the final rounds but you know yes the, 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 guy, the guy who actually won that competition is now uh, I think he's a two-time MLS cup what no what no he won it once with Portland Timbers he won Liga MX he's over with uh Santos as well and he's on the the U.S. national team it's kind of funny, but that's that's you know I tried that. I played semi-professional. Um, Wait, who's who's the play? Who's the who's the player? Jorge Villalfaña. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. His name used to be Jorge Flores back then. They used to call him Sueño um, because he won it. Um, oh. Damn! Look at Slip Slip dropping the underground exclusives right here. Look Ooh. at this guy. He's got Sueño in the mix. So were you guys? What what position did you play, Slip? See, that's the thing with me. I was always a utility player because of my height. I enjoyed more on the wings, you know, doing sprints. I love sprinting, but, you know, as the drinking came in and as I got a little older, towards the later days, I started playing uh, center defensive mid or center back. That's all they wanted me for. Any team, any Sunday team I'd come in for, any rec team I'd come in for, they're like, no, you're playing in the back. You're playing in the back. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely discuss the alcohol abuse um, as we go on the episode. But um, I, I wanted to ask, man, I know a lot of, uh, a lot of immigrant kids like, like, you know, like us, Slip, like we have, I think, and you actually played, so this is a really interesting question for you. But, you know, as you're like a travel team kid going through Norwalk and all that, like, was the dream, and I think you touched on it before, was the dream putting on the Stars and Stripes and representing the U.S.? Or was it like you know, representing Mexico? Was it any Argentinian ambition in there? Because, like, I think Sam and I, while we are not athletically inclined, if we were, I think that's really the one thing that separates me from, like, claiming a Korean sporting citizenship is that I would have to serve in the Army for two years. And that's just not what I'm about. <laughs> And so, like, I, I've automatically, if I had the athletic ability, I'd be like, I'd, I'd probably be representing the great state of New Jersey and all this shit. But, um, yeah, for you, like, what – for someone who actually played, like, what did you imagine a national team um, cap looked like, man? So we were we were in between. We were realists and we were dreamers. So there was that 30% in you. It was like, dude, I'm going to be so good. I'm going to play for Mexico. 
they're going to take me and Chivas is going to take me in, even though I live over here and that's going to happen. And there's no fucking way. Nobody's going to tell me otherwise. The reality was, you know what? I'll, I'll be good if I end up somewhere like FC Dallas or, you know, <laughs> Colorado Rapids takes me. I'm all in. Yeah. Uh, we'll be in there. Of course, you know, a good part of my youth, um, you know, experience playing soccer, we played in a team called Manchester United. Like, you guys have seen the pictures. Like, to my, to my, uh, to my dismay, we rocked the Manchester United. So, of course, we all wanted to play for Manchester United. Um, yeah, that was also did. a big dream. And that was when Ronaldo was peaking. Uh, uh, Ronaldo was doing ecstasy? <laughs> I don't know. He might. But, yeah, that, that was the dream. So there was, there was certain realities we were living in within where it's like, yeah, we can only go to the MLS or, or we can go to the, you know, we can go to Carson or Chivas USA. Uh, that Sueño Malesa, for those two years, three years that that thing ran, that really did bring us a lot of hope. Like, no, we can make it in the MLS. That's wild. That's wild. Man. That's pretty awesome, dude. Slip, I want to know, know what other things young Slip what – are, what are the other big parts of young Slip's life? I mean, football, you were watching it, you were playing it, you were into it. But what else was, like, you know, informing your lifestyle? Like, what other things were you interested in? Um, how, how did young Slip go from, from being – you know, a, a kid who was who was playing and who was watching this sport to the multi-layered individual that you are now that we all love love talking Slip. to. What, other kind, what kind of interest did you have in other cultural isms? Were you were you rocking? Slip's been so chugging is... four locos since he was twelve, bro. What are you talking about? Slip is a well, they left me. They left me in a church, freezer. Man. They left me in the booze freezer. The food for less, and I just never came. That's the food for less. <laughs> You remember that they had like the booze freezers, and you just walk in there. Like, What's oh going my on? God. Back then, my parents would, you know, leave me home alone a lot because of work. So what I was huge into was movies. Actually, the way that I uh, learned how to speak English was movies. I grew up with stuff like Speed, uh, Dumb and Dumber, The Professional, so on and so forth. So aside from from soccer, screenwriting filmmaking was always a thing that interested me to the point where I think in sixth, seventh grade, a teacher actually gave me a laptop to start, you know, writing scripts about and such. And That's music cool. was also huge on me. Um, admittedly, you know, I hate admitting this, but I was huge on Coldplay when I was a kid because of my dad. Nice. But this was, this was, this was like old Coldplay, you know, it wasn't what they've become now. Mm -hmm. Viva La Vida, baby, let's go. Exactly. That, that was, I think that was it for them. But yeah, I was, I was watching a lot of, um, uh, a lot of movies that, you know, your, your average, you know, 11, 12 year old wouldn't be watching. Like I remember there's a movie hey, called Hey, Wild. hey, this is a family friendly show. Don't talk about those <laughs> movies. I know, right? 3 a.m. No, uh, 3 a.m. slip. No, um, there's a movie called Collateral, uh, released in 2004. It's Michael Mann and Jamie Foxx. It's about a, a hitman uh, played by Tom Cruise kidnaps Jamie Foxx, who's playing a cab driver, makes him drive around all of Los Angeles to uh, carry out his hits. That was my favorite movie. And I, at, how old was that? 11. That was my favorite movie at 11. Oh, my God. You're making me feel so fucking old. I hate you. Slim, Slim, what was your favorite movie at 11? At 11? I don't remember what the hell I was watching. I think 11 was when the Titanic came out. That was your favorite yeah. movie? No, it wasn't. It's the one I remember the most just because – all right, like the the part the, – the friend that I went to watch it with, 
the part where the uh, the captain stays in the cabin to die. He's my oh. my friend starts fucking cracking up, and he's like, "What a fucking idiot!" <laughs> and that's what I remember the most about that movie. Like my boy just busting out laughing, like the whole theater is about to cry, and this jackass kid is just cracking up and calling this captain an idiot for like staying with the ship and dying. Josh, oh my what, was God. Your, what was your favorite movie as an eleven-year-old? Bro, probably like uh, I, the first movie I ever remember watching is Lion King. Fucking legend, legend of a of a film, James Legends. Earl. James Earl, and then um, man, you know what? I fucking it's Space Jam. I don't even know how old I was when Space Jam came out. But Space Dude, Jam, okay. Space Jam, Space Jam. My huh? dad um took me to um. Uh, do you remember those uh? Multiplexes that play like two movies for the price of one. Yep. He took me to one. Uh, it was a two for in Huntington Park. It was Space Jam and Mars Attacks. Ooh. Space Jam and Mars Attacks. That was the best time of my life. Especially because I didn't know what the hell was going on with Mars Attacks. And I didn't realize till later that it's more like a parody than it was a serious movie. Uh. But back then I thought it was, you know, a real alien invasion movie. That's funny as hell, dude. And I know now, like, Slip, I know you're big into the, the horror genre. That's one of the things I know you as, as loving, as a lover of it. Like, where does, where does horror come in in all this, man? Like, where does, what's the first, like, really, like, threatening movie you watch that you're like, I kind of mess with this? Okay, horror. It's a, it's a particular, you know, a, a deep spot in my heart because of my sister. I love my sister so much. But when I was a kid, uh, I'd say about four years old, I hated Chucky, as any kid would. Yep. She wanted to break me out of the fear. So I guess I was in the shower or whatever <laughs> as a kid and walks in there, just throws the Chucky doll into the shower and runs out. What the fuck? <laughs> to make me more brave. And I just remember like, ah, and then I remember holding it in the water for a few minutes and like, oh, you know, he's not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> fuck, that's, that's really fucked up. Um, that's, uh... <laughs> That's Chucky one of my favorite Chucky stories ever. Yeah. So Chucky was thrown into the shower. You got him. There was some moisture in there. Um, that's fucking <laughs> wild, dude. Hell yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, that, that and um, they, they, they showed me uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street and, and stuff. I was getting used to, to stuff like that. I didn't, I didn't go into other subgenres of horror till later on in my life. Yeah. But if there's, if there's three people I could probably credit my whole love for horror, it's Chucky. Um, Freddy Krueger, and of course Pennywise from the original, uh, from the original It, the, the Tim Curry one. Gotcha, gotcha. And so, give us a quick. This is a little streaming with Spice exclusive here in episode inside the episode. But like, what are the episode inside the episode? Hell yeah, dude! What like what are we talking about? We talking about just like the torture porn aspect of it, the thriller. What what are we? What what's in here? See, I I try to I try to diversify what I watch because I can't just stick to torture porn. I can't just stick to found footage. If there's, if there's a movie that has resonated with me lately more than others is VHS 2. Um, that's that? more like a found footage, um, scary movie per se, but it turns into something like completely like balls off the wall. Like they strap a gut, just a, a quick emphasis on the story. They strap a, a GoPro on a guy riding his bike through the woods. He becomes a zombie and you go through all that. 
with the GoPro on him. I thought that was kind of unique and cool. And there's an alien abduction angle. There's, there's, it's, it's a bunch of crazy stuff. Dude, but watching Slim's, scared. watching Slim's face. I'm just, I'm just letting people know who can't be, who can't see our digital squares in person or digital rectangles. Watching Slim's face as Slip just described all of that was itself my own special little horror film that I was enjoying. <laughs> I, I can do nothing but, you know, facial expressions right now. I keep myself on <laughs> mute, you know what I mean? No, sleep, slip, keep diving into your, into your bag. I like this. Keep going, bro. Just keep going. There's, um, there's a few others. I mean, there's a, there's a horror series on, um, it was on sci-fi a few years back. I think they've got it on Shutter now. It's called Channel Zero on the the name of the season was called candle Cove, and it was about um a group of kids that remember watching this kids tv show back when they were kids called candle Cove. Uh -huh. and two of the kids went missing back in the day and you know you later find out that when the parents were watching them talk about the show they realized that they were just watching static the whole time and it just turns into like this whole crazy subplot about mind control and what was there and what never was and that's the kind of stuff that now freaks me out you know like, for example, right now, imagine if you guys are seeing that there's like a gigantic demon behind me, but I can't see it, and the screen just goes dark. That's the kind of stuff that gets me excited nowadays. I mean, Slip, you had it coming with how many times you drop pentagrams and hail Satan a day. I mean, I swear to God. I pray, I pray for you, bro, but it's like, I, I, there's only so much my prayers can do at this point. You know? it's, it's, <laughs> right? Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I, I kind of call it upon myself. Also, watching watching horror movies like i'll go through forums and comment sections and and see what people think is the scariest movie of all time or whatever and i'll put myself to watch it at 3 a.m and if i think it's scary you know i'll go back and i'm like yo props but if i don't i'll be like yo i will never <laughs> watch wait what kind of forums what kind of what kind of underground communities horror communities are we talking here are these reddit forums where where are these people hanging out please I please i don't know i, if this I don't is know if we want to go with Look at tell this. me boys tell Where are me the forums? <laughs> well there's the, there's the horror subreddit obviously is probably the biggest one the, the comment sections the threads on bloody disgusting um they've been pretty good as well old fangoria uh threads that are archived now that you want to kind of look into as well uh on letterbox um the app there's a lot of recommendations that people you know throw movies in and everybody has a different different uh, definition of scary you know what might be right. scary for me might not be scary for you. Someone what's might scary? think. What's what? I want to know. Hold on, real quick. That's a great question. Ooh. What's scary for you, Slim? Uh, I can't really say. I never really got into the whole horror thing. Um, yeah, but what's scary? I mean, I'm not saying what do you like. I'm saying like oh. what fucking freaks you out. Like what? What is scary? Commitment and responsibility. <laughs> that, that too. That too. Um, shit. I want everyone to know who's listening uh, that as he said that Slip just took a massive chug of a, of a soul. What is that? Is, soul chalada. Soul chalada over there. I love that. That was a great moment. Um, I don't really know. I just don't really watch horror stuff, so I can't really say what, what really scares me. No, I mean, but like in life, bro. I'm not talking about movies. Oh, though, in what life? Scares, what's, what type of shit is heights? like, that's terrifying? I hate heights. Oh, I thought you said ice. Oh, yeah. I hate crystal meth, too. <laughs> meth heads are fucking scary. Well, that's a horror subplot on its own. I think we're onto something. <laughs> Hit me up after, and we can write 
where we can write something about. The I think you can make. I think you can make a, a whole a whole horror based on ice and like have it be you know the three meanings of ice like ice as in meth, ice as in like immigration, ice as in uh, the actual physical form of ice and how some people might be terrified of like real just frozen water. I'm literally gonna Google right now if there is a, something called the fear of ice. I think we just went from a. <laughs> from a podcast to a think tank i like this we just i think that that slip you just said what we're trying to aspire to become we're trying to become a just a nexus a think tank we're trying to birth the next great ideas all in the span of a 90 minute uh zoom conversation on tuesday nights look at static we need to send this to to we need to start to go the the kickstarter or go for me, whatever. We got to set this movie up. It's the three ices. The three ices. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 we could call it pagophobia. Do you slip? Do you Ooh. still have the laptop? Do you still have the laptop the teacher gave you to write the scripts on? Because this is the next one to fire up right here, brother. <laughs> I think it's broken somewhere, along with like my hopes and dreams. Yeah, somewhere in the basement. Sam, where? What? What's the the fear of ice called, dude? Pagophobia. The Pago- fear of ice or frost. Pago? Pago. Pago is, uh, I think it's frost or ice in Greek. With, the, with an H? P A G O. Oh, P A G O. Isophobia, dude. That sounds great. Hey, Josh, what's your biggest fear? What, what, do you, what, what terrifies you? Movies uh, or otherwise? You know, weird thing, I really hate um, the alien face huggers. So, like popping out of the rib cage. I think, honestly, that comes from like, I don't like when things happen to your skin. That's that horror continues to fucking chill me to the bone a little bit. Like anytime there's like a, a like a, a lesion or like some shit happening on your skin, like you know anything with like a bug metamorphosis about like you know human beings peeling their skin off, even the Patrick Bateman like peeling the mask off his face, like oh my, it, it chills me to the bone, man. And so I think that led to like my hatred of like tortured porn stuff because there's often skin makes the biggest visual impact right about like you know like breaking through and, and, and then rupturing it so oh it just like i cannot stand that shit man it's like that that haunts me but slip but slip is like over here smiling with everyone's fears and i want to know if you enjoy slip being scared like is the physical sensation of like being frightened and alarmed and like shocked like, does that, do you like that? And if you do, like, when did that start? Like, when is the first time you remember when you were young, like, to get scared? You're like, oh, that was actually really fun. I loved it, starting with Freddy Krueger, I think, because the thing is, you, you know, I, I love, when someone scares the crap out of me, I'll give them a compliment. It's another reason why I love, you know, Halloween Horror Nights, uh, Halloween Haunts so much. I used, to, I used to be one of those guys. I used to be one of those characters. <laughs> so that also goes into it a lot. Where, think, where, where were you one of the characters? I need to know. I was over at uh, Universal Studios Hollywood and, and Knott's Berry Farm. Three years in Knott's Berry Farm, one year at uh, Universal Studios Hollywood. For Universal Studios Hollywood, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen an American Werewolf in London, but there's a scene in that movie where like, it's a dream sequence and all these uh, werewolf Nazis come out with machine guns and start scaring people. I was one of them. <laughs> and uh, we had a, it was repetitive, it was exhausting, but it was fun just scaring the crap out of people every five minutes 
and Bro, is everyone working there with you like kind of like freaky like you are dude like are they of the same milk or is it like working and shit or what's what's going on it was half and half a lot of people have like appreciation for horror a lot of people just saw it as a job and saw us they got like really excited when somebody fell to the floor because he scared them uh, they saw us kind of like hey you all right do you have any like anger issues or repressed uh, uh, traumas in your life that you're not talking about i'm like no this is just fun you know it was it was it was knowing that I was that kid maybe 10 years ago, being afraid of walking in there and getting that fear instilled in me. That's what it reminds me of, you know? I see like 11 year old Slippy crying on the floor, like, yeah, yeah, keep going. <laughs> Have, has this been a magnet for or a barrier to romantic relationships? Oh, shit. Oh, you know, it's funny that you say that because. Because I feel like, no, and let me preface this just by saying, I feel like this is one of the things that like could really turn someone on. Like they could be in this bag with you of like, of like this relationship with fear and it could be like a really big magnet. I was, I wasn't trying to be too facetious with like, <laughs> I wasn't trying to lead that question. I, I do think it could work in both ways. It's, it's kind of, it's been, it's been a non-factor, unfortunately, because, you know, the relationship that, I, that, that, that I've been in, the relationships that I've been in, uh, either they're just too scared to watch anything or they're just not going to, they won't think anything about it because they're not paying attention to the movie. So it's kind of been like, uh, you know, um, a few weeks ago, someone I'm going out with, you know, I recommended they watch uh, Hereditary and that kind of worked for me because they got so scared you know, they, they slept with the lights on and they never wanted to watch anything again. And they're like, yeah, from now on, you can't recommend a movie to me anymore. I'm like, all right, well, I see where this is going. So I've been lucky at the point where <laughs> I find somebody else who loves this much, but I know there's a community for that. I just right. don't think I, I want to, you know, jump in there as much as other people would. Because I've seen right. forums where it's like, oh, yeah, call me Timmy the Terror Guy or, or something like yeah, that. No, yeah, no, I'm with it. I mean, in, 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 in a way, to bring it back to black and gold LAFC stuff. Whoa. It's sort of like, you know, do you want to date someone who's as into this shit as you are? Because if you do, then it like, you might get so full blast with it. It might go so full bore that like, you know, you just go off the rails as well. You know, there's like, there's only so much extreme shit in anyone's life that they can handle. But when both people have the same ex extreme sort of gravitational pull towards something, a sensation, a whatever, you know, it can, it can also lead to disaster. So I get that. I, I think there's a balance to be had there for sure. Yeah, exactly. You want to balance it out. You know, it's kind of, I don't want to say it's, it's my, it's like a special moment for me, you know, kind of like how sometimes you want to keep your playlist to yourself. There's a specific album that you won't show to someone you're just going out with until you're really, really close with them. That's how I am with horror. You know, there's some movies that I just want to keep to myself because it, it puts me in a happy place. Uh, you know, if, if the relationship ever goes wrong, I don't be like, oh, hey, well, you know, God damn it, we saw that together too. Yeah, no, that's Yeah, no, damn, stuff. that's that's a, that's great defensive strategy, strategy. Having your own little, we'll call it a, I think this is a psychological term, but a secret garden where you have your own, your own shit that the, the other person you're dating doesn't know about so that if something goes off the rails or if you're fighting, you can go bask in that without, like you said, making the associations with uh, this person you were seeing. That's, that's great. I uh, just, so it occurred to me also, given the state of affairs in, uh, 
in our lives right now, how we're all in lockdown and all this stuff and people are dreaming more, right? Like that's a big thing everyone's saying is like scientists are like, oh my God, everyone's dreaming so much more. Like, have you guys, this is an open question for Slip, Josh and Slim. Have you guys been having nightmares? And if so, what kind of nightmares are you having? Oh man, that's like the million dollar question. I've been having so many fucked up nightmares that it's it's become you know and it's it's i write this down and i turn i try to like write horror stories on the side but i, I don't ever show them to anyone because you know I, I think they're probably shit but it's it's been interesting because you know all your fears all the all everything going around like everything on the media what people are talking about whether it's one side or the other you know it all be, becomes manifested into like monsters in dreams or whatever and they're all like trying to like drown you and like finish you off. And that I think is like the, 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 the dream uh, representation of, you know, we're lit, we're, we're getting too much stuff thrown on us. You know, we're getting overwhelmed with information, with arguments, with protesters and so on and so forth. I feel like that manifests into monsters in the dreams and then they're after you and the nightmares and so on and so forth. Because if you look at it or in itself, you know, all the monsters are supposedly, according to a lot of these guys that make these movies, a representation of humans, of our darkest sides, of our deepest sides, and so on and so forth. Josh, have you been, have you been nightmaring, Josh? Um, uh, I, I can't really say that I, I, anything that memorable, to be honest. Um, you woke up in a Chelsea kit. <laughs> <laughs> Never that. Never that. That's the you. You push it too far, Slip. All the, it's, it's gone. It's gone past fun, fun and jokes now. But I don't know. <laughs> it's it's a mix, man. I, I I don't think I've had anything that crazy, man. But Slip, I'm gonna ask you, like, maybe this is like really like disingenuous of me as someone who does not like horror, but like as someone who enjoys the thrill of being scared. Do you enjoy nightmares at all? Like going through it? Like what? What? Like is there an aspect of like, like respecting your psyche that like it can put you in a place like that? Because a lot of it comes from the aspect of like this can take me to this kind of emotion, right? Like what is that? What? How, how do you do you? Are you just like racked like the rest of us when a nightmare happens? Yeah, I I take pleasure in knowing that I'm having these nightmares, so I can understand them a lot better, so I can try to decipher them. So I can try to picture different scenarios as to why it's there, what it's trying to tell me, or how did it get there. Try to remember exactly what I dreamed so I can, you know, manifest it into a story or so on and so forth. I'd like to think that, you know, in reality, there's few things that scare me more than, um, like, death or losing friends and family. Right. So it's not like um, if I dream that Chucky killed me, which I have been lately, if I dream that, you know, Freddy Krueger came out and like put his hand through my stomach or something. Sure, it's scary, but I'm not going to be like, oh my God, I'm not going to watch the movie again. Or, oh, I'm, I'm cursed. And, you know, I've been, I've been watching too many horror movies lately. Um, those are the kind of nightmares that I usually have, though. So I feel like it's just my mind um, being a little bit overactive when I'm asleep. Gotcha. Slim, are you Slim? Are you dreaming a lot? Are you having nightmares? Are you? Give us a glimpse. I I haven't really had anything memorable. In general, do you dream a lot? Not no, not really. 
I think that's a pothead thing. I don't think I think like potheads don't have as many or they don't recall as many dreams. I don't know. Maybe their <laughs> brain's not as active when they're sleeping because we're faded. All right. So we're talking about launching a Patreon soon for FCFC. Here's here's what one of the one of the things is going to be for the Patreon. Uh, Slim's j- dream journal, and you're going to start dream journaling Ooh. in the pages. And uh, as you start doing it, you're going to start to remember more and more of your dreams. And it's going to be a uh, it's going to be an interesting. We're gonna we're gonna all do it. We're gonna have slip do it. It's gonna be it's gonna be a four person dream journal experience uh, for the uh, most high ranking of Patreon subscribers. Interesting. That'd be great. That's incredible. I want to no, become a patron. Have, in my own. have you guys ever have you guys ever uh, dream journaled before? Have you ever gone down that rabbit hole? No, but I've it's never. like fucking. I I one of my uh, like a friend, kind of distant friend was dream journaling like on her Tumblr when Tumblr was hot. And I was like, you had a Tumblr? Oh, hell yeah, dude. Who Before it became all out porn? Yeah, I mean, it was probably half porn and half, you know, half like half tasteful nudes and stuff, you know, but uh, I think it was, it's so fucking intimate, dude. Cause like they're filling in gaps for you, right? Or like you're filling in their gaps, right? In terms of like, oh, whoa, whoa, that's... What kind of gaps you talk? Shout out Sarah. Shout out Sarah. What you doing? You the bad boy, honey. Yeah, Tumblr babes. What's up? But I would say to get into that kind of psyche and that kind of intimacy with a person's headspace, you got to give me at least fifty dollars a month, Patreon people. So Patreon patron, if you want to, if you want to know about what's going on in my head, fifty dollars a month will get you there. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Yeah, that Slip. sounds interesting. I don't even know if I, yeah, like, could, could wake up and remember. Well, so that's the that's the trick, right? I mean, Slip can, I think he's, he's dream journaled too, but in dream journaling, like, it's, you know, at the beginning, of course, like, you're not really getting into the mix, but as you start to do it consistently and, like, every morning or every time you wake up and you're dreaming, you just start writing immediately as you wake up so you can re- retrace as many memories as you can. You actually do start, like, the vividness only increases to the point where like for some people they can now like control more of their dream. I mean, the goal for a lot of people is like this lucid dreaming idea that you like then can inhabit your dreams and have more agency, the more and more like vivid and lucid you are. And the more you dream journal, the more you can do that. The logic goes. And, uh, yeah, my main issue is, is I don't sleep through the night either. I'd be waking up at like three, four to take a piss. And then that's fine. That's fine. As long as every time you wake up, the first thing that happens, if you start to, you just I'm write, taking just a piss down. and going straight back to sleep, bro. <laughs> you can't, make, your damn mind. can't make this guy do any you work. You need the patrons, dog. Come on. Yeah, see, look, look I, have, I have recurring dream locations that I've, I've noted in journals and so on and so forth. So it's like I have specific locations where these dreams take place and all that stuff. And it's, it, yeah, it, it is a trip. Dream journaling is a trip. It's, it's insane. We go into like a whole subplot of, of events over here. No, That's Slim, Slim mm-hmm. if you don't want to write, just record audio-wise what you're seeing. There we go. That, there, there, that you don't got to do any work. I'm going right. to send you a just a recording. <laughs> it's going to be written in like magic marker, Slim's dream recorder. And you're just going to hit hit record every time you wake up, going to piss, whatever. You're I, like, I'll do it on my phone. I'll do it on my phone. All right. And then we're going to start finding out what type of shit is, is popping up in the, in the old dome piece. I don't even want to know what's going on in my head. I have to, I actually pulled out uh, some stuff from a nightmare, kind of like in Freddy Krueger. I'll be right back. I'll, I'll bring it out to you guys, but I have living proof that I pulled something out of a nightmare. And this is for Josh 
and for Slim. I pulled something out of a nightmare for you guys. I'll be right back. I, I, I have to show it to you guys. Oh my Please, God. I can't wait. What the Slippy fuck is pulled out. I have no idea what's going on. Do he's just trying to make us do some weird, like, intergalactic I think it's going to be a Red Devil's jersey. No, I was having a, I was it's having be a, a red, red Devil's jersey. Red Devil's jersey. I woke up at Old Trafford and, you know, I found this shit. Oh. <laughs> right now, for those, of a, for those of you who cannot see, Slip is holding up a really u- ugly red object. With some <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I think That's I, that I, I beautiful Vodafone one. I think it's I think it's a Miami Heat like backup sweatshirt from what I can tell. Uh, I I really don't know what he's holding up, but yeah. I pulled this I pulled this out of a nightmare. Okay, this is living proof that I, I pulled this out of a nightmare. From hell. look at you, London boys, combining forces to 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 team up against the big dogs. That's cute. I don't know about big you dogs. little think- you little London cuties. I think I think we were teaming up against the McDonald's of the soccer world. Twenty <laughs> times, twenty times, Man United. Over over a hundred billion served. Okay. Exactly. A whole hundred billion people eating that bullshit. I don't give a fuck. I had a Big Mac last night. Stay fluffy, homie. Bro, I had Wendy's, dog. Wendy's, shout out, baby. Let's go. What's up? Hey, like they probably Wendy's, the, Wendy's ain't in on this. <laughs> Wendy's oh, ain't in on this. Wendy's is only good for Twitter roast. That's it. Their, their food is shit. Okay, well, that's a perfect That's a perfect. Oh, wow. Right Benchy. Did you hear that, Benchy? He said Wendy's trash. Benchy might stab you and charge you extra for all your gear moving forward. <laughs> Oof. Oof. That's a great segue uh, in terms of Slip just sort of naturally bringing up a Twitter reference. I mean, this is the man who I believe uh, broke the internet once for filming David Beckham uh, looking lonely up in the inner Miami press box and then it, it going around the world. Slip, you've got an interesting relationship with the internet. You, you managed to like reveal like your true self, but you're also funny and you're also like, you know, I mean like, First of all, what is your relationship to the internet? Are you as addicted as I would imagine you'd have to be in order to like maintain the, you know, the momentum of your accounts? And uh, I don't know, just give us give us a little bit of a rundown of like the difference between real slip and the internet slip, if there is a difference. See, yeah, I know, right? That's that's a difference. Well, there's always the me that I'm going to be to myself, I'll, you know, for for obvious reasons or in a relationship or so on, but the thing that you know why you see me so much or why i'm i'm so used to my phone is you know i spent time in vegas working at day and nightlife and we lived on our phone you know our we had to be on the instagram on on you know facebook on twitter reaching out you know talking to people about the clubs and so on and so forth and it it got to a point where it just you know became numb to it you know there was no such thing as a as uh, replying late, it, it, anything like that, you know, it was always your child on the internet. You got to be on your phone. You got to outreach. You got to promote it. You got to network, and so on and so forth. And that kind of just stuck on me, you know. That's that's where it all came. It, you know, I became desensitized to everything. But you can also use it to a good, you know. Now I can be up to date on pretty much any league in the world. I'll be on their Instagram at like at three. I'm like, oh hey hey, because it's such a bad habit now. Yeah. Did you know that the David Beckham video was going to was going to get wild as soon as you took it as soon as you got him right in that in that golden moment? No, I I I thank Rich for retweeting it and taking it into a completely different uh atmosphere. I I I had to delete Twitter um for quite a while because my DMs were just filled with 
angry English kids calling me like, <laughs> this, this isn't, this isn't Badger, you suck, you Yankee. I'm like, well, first of all, kid, I'm not even American, but thank you. Um, but it was just, you know, this is why you guys are falling. This is why Trump's your president. Uh, this is <laughs> oh why God, you guys will never win. There. Yeah, they, they took, took it there. To, it was, it was everywhere. They, I remember, uh, one of my favorite ones was they took the screenshot of 3252 uh, in that video and they just put uh, the, the crying Jordan faces over everybody. And I'm like, come on. <laughs> that, that was, that was uncut. There was one on me too. And I'm like, oh, all right, come on. People have too much time on their hands, but you know, it's the internet. It's, it, it was bound to happen. Um, I love how the, the sub threads though, where one guy will say something and like three other people jump on him and four people jump on them and you're just in the in the in the mentions because you're in the original thread uh, yeah i couldn't be on twitter for a good month no, i want i want to hear more about because you're you're a twitter power user right or social media power user but one thing i think we all know you guys is a genuine supporter of football and football culture for the three unique teams that you support and so social media in this day and age with i mean we grew up with it right so i think it's a little different but like speak for yourself josh me and slim are a little older that's yeah. what i'm saying i was saying we slip and i you know the the, the sub 30 generation over here y'all y'all are, <laughs> y'all are based in here dog but Third generation fuck you hey i don't sound like that dog. come on hey shut be. up <laughs> you son i hate you <laughs> what i'm done anyway <laughs> So how does supporter culture, and we've, we've had our own issues with things being shared, overshared from 3252 stuff, things being overshared from chance and stuff like that, but also we've seen good things out of it. Like where do you see this, this supporter culture evolving around social media when it seems like we'll never get rid of this thing? Like this thing is just keep on getting evolving and more and more uh, entrenched in our lives. The thing with social media is, you know, uh, especially with these things that, that we – there's people new to the culture. There's people new to the game who might not have been watching it six years ago, five years ago, or even, you know, one year ago. But there's one thing that everybody has in common, that everybody wants to be seen doing what they're doing. And it can go either good or it can go, you know, pretty bad. So you have somebody who's naive who goes in and shares, you know, chant info or things that they shouldn't be taking pictures of, or maybe a, a member, you know, behaving a little bit rowdier than usual lands into the wrong hands and you know now they make fun of uh that team or the group or whatever but it's also for good things you learn so much you have a connection with uh people in england people in mexico people in south america you know you connect um i think moving forward it's going to be a bridge for for us to connect to people like dortmund uh to just teams all over the world man it's 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 a powerful tool and it's, it's here to stay. I mean, look at where we're at right now. <laughs> Dude, straight up, straight up. I mean, even as a personal anecdote, I think for around the Korean kid launch last, uh, our Korean collection launch last uh, season with LAFC, Sean Park kind of, you know, co-opted or like um, a Suwon K-League chant that was also co-opted from like, you know, a famous South American chant a long time ago. And um, it was weird, man, because the first time we put it out, I think, on our end, we did not know as someone who's like not very particularly new to supporter culture, but like how close of a song it was, right, to the Suwon FC song, right? But um, 
what ended up happening was it were like we got the same amount of haters from Suwon who were like, you know, like what the hell's going on here? Like there's no proper accreditation here, like about where it's from. Um, but at the same time, I think we started a dialogue through it and the connection you're talking about slip about like being able to connect, you know, oceans and continents together. And then we ended up being like, you know what, like it was it was on us. Like we didn't let me make it clear that you know, the chant was inspired by someone, obviously. And so through that, hopefully we can build a relationship and bridge this gap, you know, that we have with another country's domestic league. And so hopefully, like, as we go along, like, supporter relations that we're talking about, I don't know, Dweez has traveled, like, explicitly to, like, countries to see it and be among people. But for a lot of people who don't get that kind of exposure, right, to be in the stands, you know, shoulder to shoulder with other supporters, like, this is an interesting way for us to to find some kind of kinfolk amidst the soccer community. Yeah, I mean, look at, um, for, the, for the Premier League, you know, LA Chelsea Blues, LA Gooners, uh, the Red Army in LA, um, the, the LA Reds, uh, so on and so forth. You know, we all have some sort of connection to the people over in the UK. You know, the, the older heads out there will send us pictures and we'll talk and we can go on for hours about it. But there's, you know, there's that connection all thanks to socials. You know, we keep up with each other all thanks to socials, especially in times like these. Hell yeah, man. And I think that's I, the, the LA Chelsea Blues and all that and the, the, the great Manchester United chapter out here in LA as well. I think that's a good kind of bridge for us to gap into your own um, kind of Lucky's experience, man. And I know Lucky's has gone through a rebrand. This is kind of Lucky's 2 or 3.0 here. And I see, you know, we're talking with someone who I think he's, you know, at the heart of a lot of things along with, you know, Rafa and Brandon and those guys there. But can you, can you tell, talk to me why, like, you know, a kid from Guadalajara fell so in love deeply with pub culture. And I know you're repping, you know, like a lot of what kind of British, you know, British culture can bring into the game, but also like what made you fall in love with the game through the, the lens of like, you know, like Lucky Baldwin's and, and, uh, and a pub at 4 a.m.? Yeah, all right. So in, in that aspect, growing up watching Chelsea games, you know, when I was under 21, when I was under, you know, 18, I couldn't go anywhere. I would watch them alone. And not every other kid in high school was like, yeah, oh, yeah, let's go Chelsea or whatever. So there was that issue. As I got older, as Facebook became more, you know, wide and you, you got to talk to people, I tried to find out where I can go watch the game with people, uh -huh. where I can go find a connection with those supporters in L.A., that's how I stumbled upon the LA Chelsea Blues, and that's where you know I found out they're over in. Um, we were we used to be over at the the King's Head over in Studio City, which is now I think Hyperion Public, but I think that's that closed down too. But I thought to myself, well, that's a little bit too far out. You know, Studio City is all the way over here. I was living in Montebello at the time. Is there anything closer? And that's how I stumbled upon Lucky Baldwin's, uh, and that's where we went. And at first, you know. I thought, well, what's this Mexican kid going to look like with all these uh, expats and, you know, just random people that like the same team? But when I walked in there, the first thing was like, hey, you know, where are you from? What's up? What's your name? Here, have a pint. Yeah. And it was just a welcoming atmosphere that I got brought into, and we all just joined together. You know, we, we talked about experiences and so on and so forth. And this is just the course of one day, man. I remember the first time I watched a game there, I walked in at 8 a.m., Watched the game, had a few pints. Next thing you know, it was 7 p.m. <laughs> That's crazy, man. And I, I know, Dweez, you, you yourself, like, have kind of a quite a history inside pub culture in L.A., but, like, 
And is did that help you become like kind of so your your heart as a Gooners fan? Like what like where where does that come from at the end of the day? Well, yeah, I mean, like one of the best things about LAFC in the early days for me was uh, in terms of supporter culture and being being fair and honest about the way that the game was operating for for most Angelinos who were obsessed with the sport. Like, you know, you want to be authentic. You want to be true. You can't just like, you can't just copy South America or Europe or whatever, right? And one of the one of the places where that originality would come out is in this like pub culture in the city because as Slip said, all the team, all the biggest teams and many of the smaller teams like have watch groups in Los Angeles in other cities in the US and um it's just as easy as looking on Facebook or Twitter or whatever Instagram now like when it started obviously Instagram wasn't really even a thing um but like yeah you can just go you know you're in New York City go to the New York Gooners you, you I was in San Francisco once I went and watched the game with the San Francisco Gooners like it, it's it's easy to like find that and what I was finding was that you find little start to find little hints of the city you know whether it's in the design of the scarves or the hats or the you know the little memorabilia how they would like sort of mesh things like being a part of the LA Gooners now since shoot I mean I want to say 2009 was when I started watching with them 2008 2009 it was around the year that they were founded um and uh Casey Dugan if you know those who've listened to the podcast uh one of the founders he came on like it's just this it's a special thing where like we got to rally around a version of the sport that we you know was quality enough that we could like respect and we could get into and all that but then it started to have the cultural side where we don't need to be derivative of what's in London or derivative of what's in whatever country we can pay homage to it but also begin to sprout our own expression of that um, for whatever locality you're in and like as I was saying before with like LAFC and like Lucky's and when when I saw Lucky's existing in the LAFC supporter world, I was so relieved because you can't have football culture in Los Angeles without the pub scene. Like that is such a huge part of it. And like, even though other people and other supporter groups might have memories of that, for me, it was so vital and essential to have that element uh, accounted for in the 3252. And, you know, because it, it was really something that, you know, so many of us, really experienced and I'm still experiencing today. I mean, I got a call today, like a couple hours ago from a mother of a kid, a German kid who loved Lucas Podolski, who after the 2000, I want to say 14, nah, it might've been 2010 world cup would come to back when LA Gooners met at Fox and Hounds. He would come to the Fox in the morning with his mom. He was like seven years old. Like Dave Hershey once wrote a piece about him for, for ESPN and we worked together with like direct TV to do like a, he was like this, you know, seven year old super fan. If you look up seven year old Arsenal super fan, you'll see Daniel, his mom called me today. Like just because she wanted to like, thank me like for, you know, helping him show him like the, you know, he was like six or seven when he first started coming to these games. And, you know, we got to like, he got to like hang out with us and hang out with my mom who would come to the games at four in the morning and my brother who'd come to the games at four in the morning. And, um, she wanted to thank me and we just hadn't connected. And that's the only reason, you know, we know each other is because of that. And it's like this, we've been over to their house for dinner 
I've been over to the to to Steve's house, the Steve, the LA Gooner guy, who like when troops and Robbie come, they stay at Steve's house, right? Like, oh. and so you know, I've been over there for dinner. It's like you know, it's a small, it's a it's it it's one of those beautiful things, and there's lots of different ways to do community, right? It's one of those beautiful things that make a big city like Los Angeles feel like a small town. And having a home that is a pub that is a public venue is a lot like having a stadium in a way, right? Like we all meet there. Whereas like, um, you know, it, for, the, for the things that had to wait until there was LAFC related events to meet or to, to sprout up, I think like the geographic locations for those were less fixed until the stadium came to be. Um, and I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of rambling here, but I know Slip can identify with that. And I've, if you've never been to Lucky's to watch games, like you must go to Lucky's to watch games at some point because of all the places in LA, that's one of, if not the best place, in my opinion, to watch at least, you know, English Premier League games for sure. Yeah, that's 100%. You know, you, you pretty much hit it right on the head. Uh, it's, it's a communal experience. It's a family experience. You know, it could be your first time watching there, but there will people be checking in on you like, hey, where are you from? You know what? And a lot of the times there's this, there's this agreement between, you know, supporters of the other teams to just look out for one of each other. You know, some of my, some of my best people out at Lucky's, you know, for example, like, like a Brandon, like a Di Maria, like a Justin, a Ralph, and there, there's a West Ham supporter there. There's a, mm-hmm. uh, there's a Manchester United supporter. There's, there's, there's everything, you know, but you all, at the end of the day, you will understand that it's a sport and it grows a family and we're all in this together. Granted, we, you know, we hate each other when the game's on, but after the game, you know, it's, it's like your little family. There's a sense yeah. of identity and unity within such a big city. And in all these pubs, you know, you got, like you mentioned, Fox and Hounds, Jocks or Dailies, Lucky Baldwins. Yeah. And I mean, they're, they, they, they're all over, they're all over the city. And like, one thing I want to take a moment and just give respect to Lucky's for as well is overcoming that challenge of bringing original supporters of different clubs all together towards this new thing. Um, Cause that was like a whole other monumental challenge. And in the same way, the existing, like we had the ISC, you know, the folks who went to ISC, the independent supporter council come on and like talk about that experience. It's kind of the same, right? Like, everyone needs to get together to elevate the sport, the culture in this country. Even if you go back to your separate teams and sort of like hate each other during the game or whatever, it's like, you know, that sense of shared purpose and like wanting this all to be much more dope, to be much more communal, to be much more expressive, to push it. Like, I think that's something across the board that like you have to, you have to be you, as, as petty as the internet sometimes gets, you have to be like, you have to be above all of that and just and realize it's for a bigger purpose that if done correctly will outlast all of us, you know, and like, it'll, it'll only help, you know, bring the world, you know, if I'm going to get on my like super hopeful bag in the middle of quarantine, dark times, like it'll bring people together. It'll inspire people. It'll allow, you know, allow people to do things they could never do on their own and, and to, and to be authentic about it and to know that they don't have to be derivative. They can be original and creative. Uh, about wherever it is they're from it's like supporting a national team what you just said you know you grab you gather everybody from you know teams that are supposed to hate each other and all push each other for one common good and that's what it's like that's what it feels like with the city you know because some of my best friends right now they're liverpool supporters united supporters and so on and these people that i'm supposed to be hating but I'm not because we're all pushing towards one thing. And right now that's Los Angeles football club, you know, 
We all love LAFC, and that's what we all fo- – we all love football. We all love LAFC. Granted, we hate, you know, we hate each other in the Premier League, but, you know, that's, that's not entirely our life. No, for sure, man. I think uh, Sam was saying this on Dickhead Hour because Christian Ortiz was on it, our, our beloved TSP community manager. Oh. And he was saying – he asked Slim, like, why, why do you hate Chelsea so much? And I think and Sam said, like, Sam, you said it's because I just know a lot of homies who support Chelsea, so it's fun to dick on them. And I think <laughs> because they care about like- so much, you, you want them to, to fail more often. But also, like, we're talking about loved ones, you know what I'm saying? And so, like, it's similar for me, too. I, I never resonated so closely with Sam in my fucking life. And I was like, oh, that's why I hate Chelsea. Like, yeah, because, like, I know, I know Slip and Sujin and Christian will all have horrible days if Chelsea lose. And I, I want that for them. So that's like... <laughs> you know, one of, one of my, you know, darkest days at an LAFC game was I was over at the Stalking Horse. It was Manchester. It was the opening of the Premier League, and it was Man United versus Chelsea, and we lose four zero. Yeah, you did. And not only that, but the only thing I had was a Chelsea hoodie, and it was like 80, 85 degrees outside. <laughs> so I show up to the LAFC tailgate after the game, and the first person to fucking see me, I'm just getting hammered over here by by uh, slime. Just. <laughs> Goal after goal after goal. I couldn't. Uh, I don't. I don't know how I made it out of that game alive, but it was just. It was horrible. Just. I was getting. You know, the flashbacks of all four goals every two seconds. <laughs> that every every second I saw his face, it was just a goal after goal after goal. Oh man, Sue had to Sue had to deal with that. Uh, deal deal with us live in real time. I had luckies at that time, so Sam and I were there. I mean, it's it's funny because that's to be honest. Like for Sam and I, like that's your guys' culture. Like we were tourists for sure. In the, in the pub culture that time but like it was the same like Brandon was also leading the charge there but at the same time it's it's wild man to support different teams inside the same bar with people you know and love like it's 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 a wild culture man so I understand where luckies are so unique as a supporters group because you take that ethic and I think Dweezy wrote about this in his piece for um around the supporter culture was Talking about luckies and, and you were saying it before, Dweez, how important it was to unify different club team support from England here in L.A. to give it a distinct L.A. flavor for LAFC. And um, I just want to hear, Slip, what, what do you guys, I think, in this next chapter of luckies going forward, you know, this season or next, whenever it starts up again, but, like, what do you guys really, truly pride yourself in bringing to the table, man? There's a distinct voice that we want to bring. You know, we want to invite people out. We want, you know, we also, you also don't want to be an elitist and think that you're better than everybody and think, you know, we're the pub and you're somebody else. No, we want to welcome people into the pub so they can experience it. I, I would love for everybody in the, you know, in the 3252 to, to experience, you know, those moments where it's like, shit, it's a 4 a.m. Chelsea match. It's a 10 a.m. tailgate. It's a 7 p.m. LAFC kickoff. Like those are the days I live for. Those are the days you want to go through because you're chanting your ass off at 4 a.m. like a belligerent bastard with a Guinness in your hand watching Chelsea uh, play, you know, Burnley or a Southampton or something like that. Then you grab breakfast, grab a few waters, maybe watch a Serie A game while, you know, the, the tailgates get set up. Head over to, to, uh, to um, Expo Park. Get there at the tailgate at 10 a.m. Hang out with your friends, banter, booze it up start up with a chance and then go into the LAFC game. That's an experience that is unmatchable. That, that is when I'm the happiest man. 
That's what I it's literally, about because at the end of the day, it's all about football. I literally got sleepy and a hangover while listening to that. <laughs> uh, but you also but you also were smiling the whole time, Slum, because you know yeah, you all, it, it's you know disgusting. No, honestly, I don't know how you guys do the four AM to 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 seven PM match day shit. It's that's wild. Like I stay my right. ass at home, I watch yeah. the match, I go back to sleep, and then I go to the tailgate. It's also a rite of passage, and I think what's what's also really fun is doing that sort of thing when you're on an away day too, which has happened several times, right? And like I remember being in Seattle. I don't know, Slim, where you were during all that, but like <sighs> oh, guys, and, uh, I was I was with a bunch of the Chelsea guys and the Luckies guys, and we went and watched Chelsea play City uh, right before going over to CenturyLink uh, to start the festivities there. I was still and, up in a in a in a motel Airbnb. So, during yeah, the- that doesn't surprise me either, Josh. Why is it on every every away day you get too fouled up the night yeah, before? Fucking worst tour guide ever, mother asshole. I think um, it was a New York away where actually two hours before the New York game, Chelsea was playing Everton, and we were all at that um, was it called the Yankee um, Tavern. Yankee, Yankee Tavern. 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 Yeah, and um, that that was crazy, man. That was, I think, um, on my way to to Yankee Stadium when we all did the march, I tried jumping from bench to bench, and I thought, you know, I'll clear it. And I didn't clear it because I was, I don't know how many Carlsbergs in, and I busted my shin open, but I didn't feel anything till maybe the day after. Yeah. Jeez, man. Yeah, that – thank you. Yeah, Dries, ahead, I, want, I, want to, I want to hear what you had to say, Dries, on that. But for you, as a Yankee fan, I want to hear about what – do you guys feel any of the weird history that to watch a game – I mean, I know the game, when we were at our seats, the seats suck, and it's horrible for, for a soccer game. But did you feel anything crazy emotional when you were walking up to the Yankee Stadium to watch it? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, as a as – a, you know, as someone who doesn't hate the Yankees as much because I'm not as vested into baseball, I felt it's a, it's a historical place for the sport. I thought it was hilarious that the, the commentators call it the Etihad as a, oh. as a New York City game is going on because I was like, yeah, I can see it's the fucking empty hot all over again. It's almost as empty as the real one over in Manchester. But, you know, it's, a, it's an iconic place, you know. Um, it was an iconic trip. Uh, sure, it looks like shit. It's horrible. It's horribly designed. I think they should get their own fucking stadium already, especially with the amount of money they have. I know. But um, it was, you know, there was respect to the history um, in that stadium. Yeah, and I think I, I've spoken about this before, but like for Sam, for Sam, Yankee Tavern, I've walked past Yankee Tavern. I felt, honestly, I felt really uncomfortable walk, like having a beer in Yankee Tavern in my life. Because mm. it was very historically a very Irish Bronx American bar where mm. a lot of times they're not too friendly to let me just say it to the people the people of color out here in the Bronx, you know what I'm saying? But for you, Sam, and I think for the LA Pride to come through and for you to hand the guy a twenty as you usually do and take the ox court over and play nip inside Yankee Tavern in the in Bronx. Like, honestly, like, you will carry that for the rest of your fucking life, as you should. No, bro, yeah. For real, to me, that, that's what I was saying. That walk up to Yan- Yankee Stadium wasn't as emotional because, 
to me, once Snoop Dogg and YG and Nipsey were playing in the Yankee Tavern, I was just back in L.A. Yeah, no, for real. You know what I mean? Like, I think the, all the emotion of, like, being in the Bronx where the Yankee Stadium was, all that was released when we turned the fuck up at Yankee Tavern. And by the time we were walking up to, to Yankee Stadium, I didn't have time to think anything like that. It was just, all right, it's, it's go time. Dude, I just think of hard. I just think of KRS One and DJ Cool Herc when I'm in the Boogie Down Bronx. I don't got time for the fucking Yankees, brother. That's the birthplace <laughs> of hip hop. I you can miss me with all that Babe Ruth shit. But you know like, I mean a little bit of that Cedric and Cedar. Hey, shout out, shout out to shout out to Ryan Walsh, and I know he'd come on here right now and intervene and tell us why like the Yankees matter in significant ways that Josh. But could you're also not here. But they're it not here, matter. and we got we got you know other things that I want to talk about. Namely, I want to talk about Slippy's new podcast. So hey. Slip. Can you can you talk about in terms of not only what Lucky's kind of branching off that idea of what Lucky's going to keep doing? Then like tell us about the pod, man. So yeah, the podcast. Uh, clever, clever name is actually uh, that was uh, Stefan uh, Harin's idea, nice. who it has been the one getting us our guests. It was essentially what we wanted to do. We've been wanting to do this for years now, uh, but it was like that pile of dirty laundry that you're going to do, but. <laughs> you're not sure when you're going to do it. And it's just been there for years on out. And you're still looking at it. You know, it looks like a monster at three in the morning when you go to sleep and the shadow pops up. But you're ne- you never do it. And we finally did it. You know, we had a few guys talk about it back then, but there was no better time than now. And the whole idea was to talk about supporter culture, you know, the game, but much more as well. Bring in figures who aren't, known from the game you bring in people who aren't you know they don't maybe not have as many reflectors on them in 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 soccer and so on and so forth or maybe in just north american soccer so for example jaime harin first episode the the man brought out a clinic of historic football stats we're we're just in awe you know and you see this guy and you think immediately la dodgers that's it he's an iconic broadcaster to the los angeles dodgers but he knows his shit in old school soccer. And that's, he, he, he put a clinic out there, man. Uh, on the second episode, uh, we have um, the sporting director for uh, Club Independiente del Valle out from Ecuador, who uh, are the current champions of the Copa Sudamericana, which is the second biggest um, international tournament in America. The first being the Copa Libertadores. And they... Um, they, they came runner-up in 2016. They took out teams like uh, River Plate, uh, Boca Juniors, and Pumas from Mexico. So we wanted to have different sort of guests. So, you know, we start off with Jaime Harrin. We, we go with uh, Luis Rogiero, which is the, uh, the sporting director. Then, you know, we have frequent pub goers that we're going to bring into people who've been supporting teams, you know, like Arsenal, like Manchester United, Chelsea, so on and so forth, just to talk about how, the game and the culture has changed over those years, you know, uh, from 2008, 2007, six. We've got uh, the, the Fearin family coming in as well. who have been supporting Liverpool for God knows how long to, talking to us about how, you know, how they've seen the culture change and how, you know, it's been brought over from England with all the expats, you know, coming over and showing these guys over here how it's done and how everybody's been so welcoming and receptive. So many, you know, so many stories, so many ideas that we still have yet to tap into um, that we feel like haven't really been talked about. You know, pop culture, I don't think, has really been 
talked about in many places and we kind of want to put it out there. Um, it's yeah, kind of funny hearing a guy from Guadalajara Jalisco talk about pop culture, but it's where, you know, I was raised in for many Premier League games. Yeah, no, I think I speak for Slim and Josh here when like, this is the type of shit that we live for. At FCFC is a total, you know, we love culture and we love these, these dives and these dips into, into cool shit like this. I couldn't be happier that there's the, the pub pod. And so is that, is that the best people can find it on Apple podcasts, Spotify, and it's called pub pod one word, or what's the, give give us the exact breakdown. So since we're, we're all relatively uh, new to, uh, you know, formatting things right now, we're only on Spotify, YouTube, and it'll be on Instagram TV. We're making it a visual thing. It's just called the pubcast. The Pubcast. Ooh, the Pubcast. That's it. Love that. Um, and, you know, we're primarily going to drop it on Instagram TV more than anything, just because uh, we're, we're favoring visual media right now uh, because of the situation. Later on, when things, you know, come to some sort of a normality, we'll be able to do, um, you know, more audio podcasts and so on and so forth. But right now, we're, we're throwing in all the concentration on visual media. Gotcha. Hey, don't don't hate us. Slip. We had we had an idea for IGTV too. So don't think we're we're out here just jacking you guys all the time. But that's no, we are. No, if, any, if anything, we, we're, we're, we're we're grateful to you guys because you guys are you know, um, I like I'm be I'm completely honest with you. I don't have the mental patience to listen to a lot of podcasts. So when I listen to something, it either you know it has to be good or it has to be something I appreciate. I listen to you guys more than anyone um so you guys are a huge inspiration on this you know you guys carried on um very very well you guys go into a lot of deep stuff and a lot of deep combos and that's the stuff that you know i can keep up with because at the same time on my mind i've got horror movies and you know south american soccer and all this other bs going and there's just there's so much that i can take at once so there's only so many uh, i feel like there's a million podcasts out there and everybody's trying to listen to something, but it's how it's delivered, how it's presented, and, you know, how the host and the people that carry it are, you know? Thank you for saying that, Slip. We really appreciate that. And, like, I think all three of us just do it. We just do it so we can give people something they want to hear and they can hang out with us in the backyard, even though right now we're all hanging out and I'm hanging out in the backyard. I'm, I'm hanging out at the table we usually record at. Oh, dude. But, uh, and, and I wish, and we will get the chance to have the, you know, the, the pub cast in person here in the backyard. We'll, we'll have to do it all again. Um, boys, I think I, I just moving into a quick little tea time, tea time with Dweez right now while I got some sentia left in my glass. I don't know what you guys are slipping on. What is that, Josh? You got like a silver, what is that silver thermos? I've been drinking coffee a little bit coffee okay. of, uh, my, my roommate david makes me a french pour over every fucking morning he all right Ooh, shout out david we yeah. love david and his, and his french pour slim what are you drinking on i have some kona longboard island lager yeah. wow that is the that is the last thing i expected slim to sort of like pull out over there this sort of like uh 
surfer beer, you know, but you know what? I like it. Well, I, I lived on Kona for a bit, you know? And Slip, I know he, I know he was rocking the soul earlier. Is that a Corona now, this one? No, this is uh, Victoria. Victoria. Oh, damn. I haven't seen a Victoria. Victoria, because it's a, it's a victory to be on with you guys. <laughs> oh, man. I love that. And, uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm drinking my last bit of tea. I just wanted to, you know what? I'm just going to take this moment to share – I'm not going to call it my soapbox. I'm going to call it my dream journal box. All right. Cause we talked about dreams. I was probably box. my best fun. I had a wild nightmare like two days ago where, uh, so I, I, I recently got a, a puppy slip and, um, I'm also working with this client in Brazil and obviously the coronavirus is happening. So these three things all came together in a beautiful, but terrifying way, uh, where, I was, I went down to Brazil with my cousin who I used to live with in Rio back when I used to go watch Vasco all the time. And I saw them get relegated, which was insane. Um, and sure. I, I was down there and we like got off the airplane and I've been to the Rio airport, obviously, but for some reason it was like, it was now like a tarmac because everyone, everything had been like devastated by the coronavirus and like no one was like out and about and the plane was mostly empty. We start walking into town. And my, my like client who I'm working with down there, he wasn't like living in the city anymore. He was like on the outskirts on these like cool, like little islands that like don't really even exist, but they existed in this dream. And what happens in the dream is we, we end up like talking for a little bit and then hiking up this really big mountain to cliff dive. So we're going to go cliff diving in Brazil. Sounds great. Right. But as I'm going up the hill, it's like, it starts to be really snowy and icy. And maybe my fear of ice comes in right here. The p pil pil what was it? Pel pil pilophobia or something? Pilophobia. Pilophobia or something like that. Yeah, so maybe this is where the pilophobia comes in. It starts to be really snowy and icy. And suddenly, like out of nowhere, like giant icy vines start swinging down towards us to like block our path. And they're not vines. They're made out of the same material as my puppy which is like this golden doodle, like soft, like squirrely little, uh, Slim and Josh have both seen, seen my, my, my dog from like a, a safe six feet distance because they both had to drop off or pick up something from the house recently. And, um, you know, it's like this, like these like vines and then there's these little faces that pop down. So there's like these basically like raining and snowing, like, like elongated puppies at me. And we're like starting to have to like start dodging them because they're like, like barking at us and we're trying to like escape from them and we just made it just in time and like we jumped off the cliff and it was like terrifying and then i woke up so that was my that these are the type of dreams that uh that i've been having and i just wanted to share that with people to let them know that if you start dream journaling maybe you can start controlling those dreams and instead of the puppies being scary they can then be soft and cuddly and you can just bask in a very nice uh rem sleep that will recharge you for your next day of stay-at-home madness see it's crazy because i i recently had a dream where that involved like two of my favorite things there's two bands that i really like um the national and local natives and i had a i had the fortune of watching them at the hollywood bowl a few years back but in the dream i was actually invited by the bands on stage to sing with them and i got on stage and i peed myself and couldn't say a lyric <laughs> this is a dream yeah. I had last week. So I pissed myself in front of like 16,000 people at the Hollywood Bowl and I didn't know what to do and I just woke up. And that was probably one of the worst nightmares I've ever had. Please tell me stay. please tell me you woke up dry though, Slip. Please tell me. No, I, I woke up dry. No, that that, that, <laughs> okay, that was good. it. 
I wanted to piss myself after thinking that though. It was like that. Uh, it was like sleep paralysis where like it was my time to sing, but I was feeling like I was saying things, but I really wasn't saying anything. Uh, I wish and I that, wish people could see the video right now with what you're doing with your hands. Oh my god! Yeah, I, I, TikTok. I yeah, that, that 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 was it. That was that that haunted me. That was like shit, dude. I was in the most ideal position I've ever been in my life. And <laughs> yeah, you were. <laughs> leave it to slim leave it to slim to make it about that hey slip i love your fucking dream brother hey why don't josh and sam you guys man up and fucking tell us if you guys if you neither of you have nightmares now and slim doesn't dream at least tell us about (laughs) at least tell us about uh you know your your most uh you know the the dream you remember that you wish was real and and then you woke up and it wasn't Uh, I mean, isn't that like almost every wet dream? Are you still having wet dreams, Slim? No, I'm just saying. Like, we were t- I thought we were talking about in the history of our lives, not like recently. Dude, I'm talking hey. about what you're talking about. This is tea time, bro. There's no rules. Don't try to enforce your sick and twisted rules on my tea time. <laughs> my bad. Get a dreamy United became a competent team again. <laughs> no, I don't even Josh, dream that until Fergie Josh, comes have you, back. have you had sports dreams where you hang out with sports figures that you love, Josh? I did, have, go, a Con- I did have a Kanye West dream. When and I you guys, like, went I, – I have, I have, like, some interesting ones where, like, you know, people of, of note and notoriety appear. What, what happened in your Kanye dream? We were just hanging out, and it was good, you know. <laughs> What what were you doing? What were you talking about? Were you guys just like, you know, reading magazines? I mean, come on. Dropping DMT or Yeah. I honestly, this is how tame my expectations of fucking friendship with celebrities are. I think we were just having a brunch somewhere, dude. And it was lovely. Like I, I remember that being being a very good dream in my life. And I, I What? Why would that even be a good dream? Why would you want to have brunch with Kanye? What would that like provide for you? I mean, before all this kind of, you know, the 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 MAGA stuff happened. I think there was a time in my life where I was like really into yay, and uh, <laughs> oh, you were doing I mean, cocaine, yeah, what? yeah, all that shit. <laughs> no, it was honestly, it was just, it was a, it was, it was an honor just to shake the man's hand in my dream, and that's how fucked up I was in the head. And now this whole great great awakening of Kanye regardless of where the fuck he's going now has proved to me that I should not take celebrities too seriously and so do you, do you, I'll ask you this just because I'm curious about this do you think he's just taking the piss out of people or and doing like a social experiment or some some kind of you know like a satirical artist kind of thing or do you really think he's gone off the deep end nah, he's, he's not emotionally stable enough to okay do something like that I just want to <laughs> make sure opinion. because you know I'm not I've I've listened to his music, but I've really never paid attention to his persona outside of it. So I wasn't sure if he was just a brilliant, like, you know, Sasha Baron Cohen kind of piss taker or if he's just genuinely lost. Flip, it. I think I think for some people or at some points, there's just no difference in certain people's minds, you know. It's just uh, that these two things these two things blend together and they just that's just what they're they're doing. definitively one thing or the other right as someone i think who's defended kanye on a lot of different things before recently like honestly at this point in time i'm just i'm really just glad he's still with us 
Like that's that's what I feel like. I think he was he was genuinely struggling with a lot of like mental health stuff, you know, and to the point where he's like spitting bars about being bipolar, you know, and like getting medication for it. And so like, I'm just glad he's getting medication for it. I'm glad he's still with us in whatever capacity he's at. I appreciate him still as an artist of what he does, but um, I think the kind of hero worship of him really ended because I'm just like, okay, like no one, no one that famous is going to represent exactly how I feel about different political and life issues. So like, what the hell is the point of like giving that much credit or power? Josh, when this Josh, when this is over, I'm gonna send you a song called "The Celebrity Reduction Prayer." It's by one of my favorite uh, reverends of the microphone, aka Open Mike Eagle, one of my favorite rappers. Mm-hmm. And the whole song is about reducing the uh, the worship of celebrity. I think it's just it's a it's a message for our times, bro. I respect. See, I I was in that position too, but see, the thing is, like a lot of like the people I worship or like I idolize are a bunch of like gentrified hipsters and like silver lake like (laughs) so like i'll run into them at the whole foods and like oh my god you're and they're like yeah dude that's chill and i'm like all right sorry (laughs) that's pretty funny boys well as someone who spent the last uh three or four days each of which probably like with five or six hours on my phone i think i'm just gonna have to stop staring at a screen uh and i love hanging out with you guys (laughs) this is the end of the fc fc pod you want to sign us out slim Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of the FCFC Pod. You know what it is. Thank you, Slip, for being on. Slip, did Thank you, you Slip. did you want to actually drop your social so people could follow yes. your madness? Please. Oh yeah, Please if you guys it. want to, uh, to to see the most like bipolar Instagram stories you've ever seen, like cars on fire and a bunch of weird stuff, uh, follow me at at Born Slippy. Just take out the O. That's what it is. It's supposed to be Born Slippy Just without like- the O. Just like his girlfriend's love lives, just take out the O. Oh, <laughs> it's a it's a it's a it's a reference to uh, to train spotting and to Albert Hammond Jr. But that's another combo. We'll, we'll uh, also, are you guys having a uh, uh, creating a social for the podcast? Yeah, no, we're right now we're keeping it on the Luckies one. So if you guys want to check it out and get updates, just follow at thirty two fifty two Luckies on Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, and that's where we will mostly be posting the updates at. We're also going to try to go live um, on Instagram as, as much as we can. I know I'm sorry. It's kind of seems like we're, we're taking your guys' idea, but not at all. No, it's, it's all too- share. It's all sharing. We're all in the same. We're all in the same community. The way I see it, I, I want to see you guys on IG live. I'm into it. And uh, so, and they could they could find your episodes on um, on what platforms. So it'll be Spotify, uh, YouTube, and Instagram TV. So these are the only three right now for the launch that we're focusing on, uh, because it's you know we're in the we're in the trial run. We're trying to get used to everything. Once we get the system down, then we'll probably expand onto like Apple Music and so on and so forth. But for right now, Spotify, YouTube, and uh, Instagram TV. All right, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up the pod right here. I'm gonna clap it off. But if you guys want to start getting bonus content, join our Patreon because after this, I'm going to clap this episode off. I'm going to ask Slip, and he's going to be our first bonus content guest, which we're going to have. All right. Peace, y'all. And we out. FCFC. FC, FC. FCFC. FC, FC. FCFC. FC, FC. 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 FC, FC